We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Thank you so much for listening. I learn a ton from doing this podcast, and I know you do too. If you'd like to support me in this, you can become a patron through Patreon, and that would mean the world to me. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month, but anyone who supports me for $5 a month or more We'll get the Transformative Principle Members Only feed, which releases the interviews as I record them rather than on a weekly schedule. If you've binge listened to any of the past episodes of this podcast, this is for you. And I know you're going to love it. So you're going to learn as quickly as I learn. And I thank you for supporting me. To become a patron, just go to transformativeprinciple.org. And on the right hand side, there'll be a little button that says become a patron. You can click on that and support me. Thank you so much for your support. Transformative Principle, episode 203 with Michael Horn. Today I'm continuing my conversation with Michael Horn and it is great. We're going to talk about what the right kind of leadership style is. And I think there's some really good information in here. So I hope you enjoy it. And I am really grateful to have been able to talk to... Michael Horn. He is inspiring and doing a lot of great things. So thank you so much for listening and please share this with somebody who's interested in leading their school in a better way. Yeah. I just put in our little chat box there. If you still have that window open, you can um, click on that and see the the four-year plan that I have for my school. And I shared this with staff on you know one of our in-service days and talked about the different the the ways that we're going to get there. One of the questions that they that they asked was, well, you put on there that we need to plan for a flexible learning block. You know, we're supposed to implement, start piloting that next year. What does that actually look like? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what it looks like. And that's what we need to figure out as as a team is what does it look like for us? I know what it looked like in my last school because we did it and it was awesome and it was the best thing we ever did. But what does that actually look like for us here? And what, what are the things that we value? 
what is your advice for, for having those kinds of conversations where we don't know what it looks like? How do we start talking about the things that we really want to have happen? Yes. From my standpoint, I think it's to break it down a little bit, right? So, so I, I love this four-year plan that I'm looking at right now. The way I would think about it then is, is really we, we approach it in, in the book Blended uh, that we wrote from a design process. So start really thinking through what's the problem you're trying to solve? What, what does success look like? What's the team of folks you need to have at the table? Presumably you've already sort of done that, right? And then really think through what do we want that student experience to look like? And you might do it not just sort of generalized in a class, but for a particular lesson or unit in, in this case in the quarter, right? You want a, a personalized learning aspect in one lesson or unit each quarter and prepare for a flexible learning block. Okay, so let's uh, pick out in maybe we're working in math right now. We're going to imagine that there's a day where we're going to have um, students all working at different levels of their ability so that they're getting the right intervention at the right time. Okay, how do we want to choreograph that? Let's start thinking through the range of experiences we would want a student have and start to tell ourselves a narrative through that. It can be as silly as like, and then student X, you know, jumps on magical math software that helps diagnose exactly what they need so that when they come to me as a teacher five minutes later, I'm ready to, you know, walk them through the example that they need at that exact time, right? And like, maybe that doesn't exist even. But at this stage, you're sort of blue skying. What do you want those set of experiences and that narrative arc to look like to unleash what you're trying to accomplish? And then you can start to get, once you have that basic uh, sense of what you want that block of time to look like, you can start to map back to okay, what are the you know what are the tools that are needed to make that actually happen? What does the classroom need to look like? What what does the teacher need to be doing? What does the culture need to operate like? And and so forth. And and that'll you know map you back a little bit from your vision. You'll sort of come back to earth a little bit as you see what's actually possible today. Uh, but then you'll have a pretty concrete notion of what you think the plan is for that. In this case, one lesson or unit, right? And then once you've done that then figure out a place to prototype it or test it in some way to start figuring out, okay, what's right and wrong? What do I need to tweak, iterate on about this vision uh, to make it actually actionable? And that could be as simple as, you know, calling a school that's already done it to, to run it past them and see what they say to watch out for. It could be finding a place in summer school to pilot it even before the 2017-18 school year, on and on and on, right? But really treating it like a design process to break it down uh, I, I think is is really important. And it does two things. Even if you sort of know the answer of, of where this is going to go, it's going to build really important muscles in your educators and your teachers in the, in the building around how to innovate. And secondly, it's going to help build really important buy-in among them that this is their vision ultimately. It's not something that's been imposed on them. Yeah, well, I I do feel good because I feel like that's a lot of what we've started doing. So I appreciate that. And hopefully when I'm sharing this with my teachers who are doing a book study on blended and hopefully when we, when I share this with them, they'll say, yes, that's what we're doing at our school. And if not, hopefully we can have more discussions to say, yes, this is what we want to do <laughs> at our school. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that design process and, and what that actually looks like in a school, because it's it's difficult to have those conversations as a whole group of all the faculty members together, and um, you've you've hinted a couple times at, at starting with a 
particular department. Can you talk a little bit about how we would be organizing ourselves and grouping together to have some of those conversations or should it be whole group? It just doesn't feel like whole group would be effective. It'd be too big and too many disparate opinions. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, the honest answer is I think you need to figure this out for your individual school. Right. But I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I just do it. But, <laughs> but right. Cause I'm the, I'm the king of saying, well, one size doesn't fit all. So, uh, but I think my advice would be you as a leadership team start and think through what are the pressing problems that have been persistent that we're trying to solve or, and actually it's probably an and, right? What are the goals or opportunities that we're hoping to achieve that, you know, we would like to be known for or that we would like to chase for our students, right? And you sort of do a survey landscape of of, of the school to say, gosh, these are the two or three things that feel like really meaty and important for the school to tackle. And then the secondary landscape I would do is, is the one of, okay, now within those places, where are the innovators, right? Where are the ones, where are the teachers, and you probably already know them, who want to take some risks, get out of the box, and try something new? And where's the overlap of those two things? And that's probably where I would start in the journey. I think I would do a a second step, which is sort of mirrors what you have here on your four-year plan, which is, so now I've identified sort of the place where I'm going to start and the team of people I'm probably going to start with. The second thing I I think I would do is sort of come up with a roadmap for how does this then scale your hypothesis right at this stage of how does this scale through the entire school over a, a, a three to five year period, just so it doesn't get stuck in pilot initiative, because sometimes, you know, in the middle of running something that takes so much energy when it's new that you forget to plan for the next year. And so this sort of creates a bigger arc to it so that you know where you're going. Last thing I would say is I do think you want the whole group of teachers together after you sort of hatch this initial plan, right? I do think you want to bring the whole staff together and, and inspire them, right? And, and really help them see like, this is what we're trying to do. This is why we're trying to do it. But we also know that we don't have all the answers and there's going to be some mistakes along the way. So we're going to start small and we're going to grow over time. And this is sort of the plan that we're thinking about. But I want you all to understand, since you're all going to be talking with each other, and I want all of your assistance and ideas and help, right, about how to do this over time. And then the last, so it's, it's sort of keeping them aware, right? You don't want them to be surprised by it, even if they're not in the core design process. I, I really like that approach and think that the easy part is identifying who's willing to go forward. The challenging part is measuring how, how much information you give so that you don't scare people away, but that you do inspire. So that was one thing that I really struggled with was, do I put year four on this? Sure. And year four is, and if you listen to my podcast a couple of weeks ago, that was enjoy the journey where I did this whole PowerPoint and my, my thought process with it, I really struggled on deciding whether or not I put in number the fourth year, because it's so, so scary and so out there that some people are like, gosh, I do not want to be 
part of that at all, you know? And, and so I, I had teachers after I put that on there and just for those who are listening, it says no bell schedule, student driven standards based lessons delivered based on data, student need and preference. And then I've got an example video in there that I linked to from uh, dice art in, I think Ohio or Illinois or somewhere out there. I could be wrong. I don't really know exactly where it is, but, but when I put that on there, a couple of my teachers came and said, I'm just going to ignore the fourth year because that looks too scary to me. And I can't wrap my head around that just yet. And so I hope that most of my teachers walked away feeling inspired with that and not scared of it. And so finding that balancing act of, of inspiring versus frightening is, is important. What are some of your, some of your advice for dealing with that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. So there's a framework that or a theory we use in disrupting class, um, which basically says in any organization, understanding the tools of change that you use is, is really important. So just to set us up on, uh, before I talk, talk about the theory, you, you often see battles in various articles or journals about what the right you know, leadership style, if you will, is, you know, and sometimes people say full transparency, see these case studies where it works, or Jim Collins will say, you know, humility is the way to go. And and having not a charismatic leader is important. And then like you look over the Wall Street Journal and you read about the success of Steve Jobs, who was definitely not humble and was definitely very charismatic. Um, and you sort of say, well, like, what's the right way to go forward? And And our sense, best sense of it is that it depends upon the circumstance you're in as an organization. And, and the way we like to diagnose it is to say on the x-axis, chart how much agreement there is among your team on uh, how the world works. Uh, so basically what what steps will lead to what outcomes. And then on the y-axis, chart um, how much agreement there is on the goals. So basically what you want a, as an organization. And based on what quadrant you are in uh, against those two dimensions will help you understand what tools are available to you. So just as a by way of example, if you're in a quadrant where there's high agreement over how you'd like the world, sorry, the goals that you have for the organization, what you want to achieve together, but there's very low agreement on what steps will lead to those goals then the tools of leadership, vision, charisma, things of that nature, we've found to be highly effective. If, on the other hand, you're in the world that's maybe more technocratic, there's very little agreement on the goals and outcomes that you want, but there's a lot of agreement on sort of cause and effect, then we say tools of managers, managerial tools of measurement and, and, and things like that are far more effective than, than visionary statements, which will just sort of lead to eye rolling. Hopefully that's a useful framework to sort of map where you are and think through what are the set of tools and what's the right balance that I need to strike between them to sort of get this right, if you will. And and my sense is that you can be very, in a small group that maybe there's tons of consensus in, tools of democracy, if you will, and, and sort of almost like a cultural or, or religion uh, will work quite well. As you expand the community and there's probably more diversity and opinion uh, you know, you might have to use different things from the from the toolbox to to sort of persuade and help inspire. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm being so reflective about this because what you're saying is is really helping me see how I need to to guide my school through this process. How do we give teachers the tools to do that? 
in their own classrooms as well. And part of the challenge with that is, you know, my teachers teach six periods and an advisory class. So they, they see, you know, 150 kids during the day. And it's tough when you're dealing with numbers that are that high to be able to meet, to think about this at all. I mean, a lot of times you're just trying to get through the day. So what are some ways that we can like shrink that down so that they can work with a smaller group of kids about, you know, especially one of the things you talk about in blended is designing the teacher, the teaching from the student perspective. And so when you got that many kids, it's just hard to do that. So what's some of your advice for, for helping teachers do this with their kids as well. Totally, totally. Uh, so a couple thoughts. One, definitely use summers, right? Summer is the only time you have time as a teacher, and it's probably not always what you want to do, but where you can use it to prepare yourself for the next school year or the next prototype or whatever it might be is really important just because it's so hard to get that time during the school year. Second piece of advice would be from a leadership perspective, to the extent you can create creative, I guess, configurations that give certain teachers time back in the day so that they can plan and do these things, I think is really important. And it's got to be time where they don't feel like, well, I could start thinking about this personalized, you know, learning sort of thing that I'm doing. But instead, I, I God, if I just graded these five assignments, I'd be so far ahead for the next day, right? Um, and, and so it's really tricky. But I, I think, Anytime you can create space for professional learning and planning within the school day, the better off you are. And that might mean, you know, you have a big auditorium or something like that. You're going to try a blended learning prototype that the leadership really helps to plan uh, and steps in for so that you can give a break to a couple teachers who are going to plan a more thoughtful uh, forward thinking thing that's that's more sustainable, right? And you're going to have 100 kids maybe in, in one auditorium while you're trying an experiment. But you know that the real reason you're doing this over over a, a few days is so that uh, your teachers have time to do something more thoughtful in their classroom. The other piece of that that we haven't talked about is you have to figure out how to communicate to parents what you're doing, right? And and that's and and the broader community. And that that's really, really important if you're going to try something like that as well. Last thing I would say that I've just been very impressed with with Summit Public Schools, which is an example we use in our book, is just how they've altered the school schedule to give teachers eight weeks of professional development and planning time during the school year itself by creating externship opportunities for students off campus. And so if there's any creativity around that ever, uh, or, or, or and, and maybe it's lower key, right? It's just a, a week of uh, the class is going to be a, a you know some sort of group experience, group project experience that's a capstone like thing within the school that gives teachers time to plan, uh, you know wh- whatever it might look like, and, and administrators can sort of step in and help. Just getting creative with configurations to give teachers time is the big thing. Yeah, <laughs> that that's one of the areas where, as you were talking, I was thinking about about what that could look like at the middle school that I'm at. And one of the very real challenges that we face is supervision. And so if, you know, if we're doing some sort of externship thing for middle school students, then a teacher is going with them to provide that supervision. And we have policies that are well-intentioned of if a volunteer is going to be working with our students and the teacher is not there, then that person has to have a full background check and go through this long process. And those kinds of 
policies are are the things that that make it difficult for those things to happen not impossible and i'm not you know being a naysayer on that but just certain policies make it really challenging for for that to happen and so it goes back to what you said before about knowing which ones are okay to break and where the line is and and how it's important to always keep kids safe and not put them in harm's way but then also right. allow those creative things to happen and it, what i'm hearing you say is it really takes time for everybody to think outside of the box and come up with different plans and ideas and you know the biggest evidence of that was at the beginning of the school year like there was so much that we needed to talk about with personalized learning and what we were doing, but then school was starting and kids were going to be there and we didn't have that much time to really get deep on these things. And so being able to find that time during the school year is, is really important. Yep. And I think, you know, bringing in, if, 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 for example, you're in a district where, where there's a strong union presence, for example, and that might create work rule problems or whatever else, bringing them in into the inner circle uh, to help create time that's not going to violate contracts and things like that. That's an important consideration as well. And really knowing who you need to have at the table to unleash the freedom and time you need to innovate is, is, is critical. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point as well. So one of the the last question I ask everybody is what is something someone can do this week to be a transformative principal? <laughs> uh, and, and gosh, it, you, you warned me that this was coming and it, it's still a tough question. Um, I think two things. One, again, stories are what really move people. And so helping teachers in your building See either, and sort of a choose your own adventure here, but see either the stories of successful schools that have moved to this model so that they can believe it and feel it and touch it and talk to teachers who've lived it, uh, I think goes a long way. Or helping them see the stories of students in their own school who don't get this personalized time that they so desperately need to unlock their growth and what it's doing to them. I think really focusing on the stories on either side of that is a really critical thing that that principals are uniquely able to do to help unlock teachers' visions of, of how they might be able to innovate. And then the last thing I would say is tell the teachers you'll get their back when they've got to do something that maybe doesn't make sense. Just just tell them to give you a heads up beforehand, though. Yes, heads up are always always good. Um, no no leader likes being surprised. That's for sure. Yes. Well, uh, Michael, this has been awesome, and I feel like we just barely scratched the surface. I feel like I could talk to you for like at least you know three more days, and and I would just enjoy that greatly. So, um, how can people learn more from you, connect with you online, social media, things like that? Well, first, let me say I appreciate that, um, and and I can't believe forty five minutes went by like a blink of an eye either. So, on, on my part, I've greatly enjoyed it, and, and questions are always the thing that unlocks learning. So, so thank you to you for that. Uh, in terms of following me, uh, my website's michaelbhorn.com. I'm on Twitter at, at michaelbhorn. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And, and those uh, are probably the best channels to sort of stay up to date with what I'm uh, publishing and doing and um, spending time, you know, still publish at forbes.com and Ed Surge uh, in addition to the Christensen Institute. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being part of Transformative Principle. My pleasure and thank you.
Well, that was a great interview with Michael Horn. I hope you really enjoyed it. I know I did. He said stories are what really move people, and that is definitely true. So I hope that you can find some good stories to uh, share to help move your school forward. And thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.